Welcome to Tea Talk. All of life flows from the spiritual center of the culture. If this center is healthy, the culture becomes healthy. Tea Talk is a time of intrigue, investigation, insight, and inspiration, enabling you on your life's journey. Invest in your future by gleaning from today's session. Surrender. Today is a world looking for gratification. You see. Do we really want the eternal to touch us today? That could be gratification. But when I want the eternal to touch my brother and my sister more than I want him to touch me, all of a sudden, I've shifted. I've, I've moved away. You get around some of the old saints. Man, they embarrass you because of their, their walk with God. They, not in a sense of, of, of a shameful thing, but just their lifestyle. They saw over into a dimension. You get around some of the old Pentecosts. All we can t- talk about is their antics. The way they speak in tongues and scream and dance and yell and all that kind of stuff. But there's something behind that that's deeper than we haven't touched in years in the body of Christ. Surrender. Interesting. Surrender is we live in a look-down world. I was walking through the Caracas airport the other day. Three people ran into me. I wasn't about to move. And when you're my size, you don't have to. So I just kept walking. It's a look-down world that we're in. We're always looking down. We're always trying to figure out the next thing. We're always trying to put it together. Why? Because a look-down world focuses on the past. There's no revelation in Google. There's no future in Google. Future is in us. Somebody determines future. And it's the ones with revelation that determine the real future. It's the ones that have that. But because our world is a look down world today, all we talk about is the past and the present. I remember when. I remember this. I I recall this. And we need those type of things. Why? Because without history, we won't know where we're going. One of the things that's happening in our nation, I didn't think I would ever see it happening. I learned it in Romania. When I was in Romania and Ceausescu was the dictator at that time, they told me, they said, you know, Romania has only been a nation since 1940. I said, what is it? What was it before then? They said, oh, we were just a myth. We were just a fable. I said, well, how did you get that? And he said, well, that's what they teach us in school. Because everything before 1940, they erased it from the books. They erased it from education. They erased it from government. Why? Because that's the scene of a new nation. If you're going to do that, you've got to erase the past in order to bring in your philosophy for that to happen. What are we seeing in this nation? We're taking statues down. Because Why? Because we cannot have any blemishes on our culture at all. I'm telling you, there are blemishes right and left. I don't care where you go. You can have a statue and no statue. We, we look at this. We see this. It focuses our attention on senses. It satisfies the soul, but never builds up the spirit. 
It's the, we're ruled by the reason. And when you're ruled by reason, you bend the scripture to make it fit your lifestyle. The Lord took me to Exodus chapter 3. Moses is, you know, he's on the run. He has this eternal dimension in him. I'm sure that 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 may not have been the first burning bush that caught fire out there, but it was the one that captured Moses' attention. It says, and when God saw that he turned aside. We're too busy. Pastors are busy being busy. I sit down with pastors and they say, you know, I'm so busy. I say, what are you doing? Well, we're doing this and we're doing that. And I go, yeah, but what are you doing? Well, you know, we're busy. We're busy being busy. And we invented the word busy. I got to go to this meeting and that meeting and that meeting. I said, what happened if you didn't show up? They'd still have the meeting. I said, why are you going? I just thought I'd throw that out there. All right, okay. Why? Because here's the key. When Moses turned aside, God said to him, remove your sandals. He didn't say, this is Jehovah Jireh. He didn't say, this is Jehovah Nisi. He didn't say, "Uh, you know, I've got a great word for you. I got all that kind of stuff. He didn't say any of that. He just said, surrender. Now listen, until there's surrender, you'll never have a holy ground experience. For the place that you're standing is what? Holy ground. Surrender. We're wanting the eternal faith. We're wanting this resurrection faith. We're wanting these type of things, but we want it based on our conditions. And God says, that is over. Now you're going to play this game by my rules. It's my time. I've allowed mankind to go as far as he wants to go. But now things are changing. In the first place we saw this, now mind you, I've been in Venezuela 20 years. And I've watched that nation go from affluence to abject poverty. And I said, now is the time. We're right at the door to where the eternal can be not heard, but accepted. When there's an acceptance of that and they surrender to that, that begins to make regions holy ground. Now it's the unclean that start walking onto the clean and they become purified. And where there's purity... There's always power to confront the elements that are opposing them. The government is in upheaval. I don't care who you blame or who you give credit to. The mere fact that the government is on on upheaval is the fact that the prayers of the saints are working. And God is activating Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, we choose your government more than the present government that we live in. Now God, whatever you need to do, adjust it. And so what happens? The church is in turmoil because the church's government is out of whack. 
we have church planning techniques that raise up motivational centers about God. We don't have apostolic planting that imparts and brings down heaven into a region. There's a difference. Why are other nations being transformed? They didn't go to Fuller. They didn't go to Regent. Some of them went there, but as a whole, they rose up, they got in their prayer closet or went out in the jungles. They got on their knees. They waited before God. They didn't care if the ants were biting them. They didn't care if the snakes were crawling all over them. They didn't care if there were dangerous animals. They didn't care if their lives were threatened. They got on their face before God, and God says, go back. I want you to take the region. I want to establish my government in that region. I had a cancer on my nose. So I went to the doctor, and the doctor looked at my nose, and he gave me a great word. And the word was, yeah, that's cancer. (laughs) Heavy revelation, you know. So when you hear that word, it kind of freaks you out, you know. Cancer? Oh, my God, I thought I had it in my toes and my, my arms. and It was only a skin cancer. He said, we're going to take care of this. So I went, he sent me to a dermatologist, a little Vietnamese guy. So I can hear, you can't understand him, so you just let him cut. <laughs> so the doctor who was a friend of mine, Dr. Sokola, he is one of the leading cosmetic surgeons in the world. So he goes, okay, this is what we're going to do, Terry. We're going to fix your nose and everything's going to be fine. So I go in, they do the surgery. So I go back to visit him. He said, I said, well, how'd you do it? He said, well, we took part of the cartilage from your ear and we made your nostril. And then we pulled skin down and covered it up so it would grow naturally. And I said, so, I hear with my nose now and smell with my ears? Is that what you're saying? He goes, no, 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 no. He said, it would be a little bit different than that. But in the process, we got to be very close. And we go in, we talk about five minutes about my nose, and we talk the rest of the time about things of the Lord. And after about three months, I laid him in the baptism of the Holy Spirit in his practice. I walk in, he goes, I want the Holy Ghost. I said, get on your knees. So he gets it. So then about, oh, probably about six months later, he, we're sitting there and we're talking, visiting, and he goes, I need you to pray for me. And I said, why? And he says, I got cancer. And I said to him, as I'm sitting there, the Holy Spirit tells him, says to tell him, you're not praying for him. So he gets through, he's explaining all this, and he's looking at me, you know, real wide-eyed, like here's the apostle that's going to pray for me. And I said, well, I got a word for you. And he goes, what's that? I go, I'm not praying for you. You're not? Like, that's what ministers are supposed to do. They're supposed to pray for me. And I go, no, I'm not praying for you. I said, but I am going to pray that God will show you himself. He goes, what's that mean? I said, because God's got a greater purpose than just you having cancer. Well, what I told him in his office that day, excuse me, is that God was going to show himself as Jehovah Rapha, the healer. That's what God wanted to do. So I go in a couple, after a couple months, I go into his office, and he said, I went to Mobile, Alabama to a Benny Hinn meeting. I said, really, what for? He goes, I'm going for my healing. I said, okay. So he said, you know, Benny gets up, does his number, and he says, then he called for people to come stand in the front of the auditorium. He says, I'll right down in the middle, on the first row. He said, Benny's coming down, he's praying for people, laying hands on him, laying hands on him, laying hands on him, gets to me and walks right past me. <laughs> he said, he's going on, he's praying for everybody, I think like that, and he said, I'm just standing there. I'm thinking, dear Lord, what in the world is this? You know, he says, gosh, you know, God, I come here. I'm seeking you to get healed and all this. He's really having this conversation with God. People leave. 
The auditorium empties out. He, my doctor friend, he's still standing there. And finally, here comes the janitor. The janitor walks up and he goes, you didn't get prayed for, did you? He goes, no. He said, you want me to pray for you? And he goes, plus says, the next thing I know, all I see is the ceiling. He said, but when I'm laying on the floor, I see the stripes on his back. He said, I see the blood running down his body. He said, I saw the healer. I said, you're healed now. I said, now you've got to ask him how he wants to heal you. And he goes, well, how do, you th- how, how do you think that is? I said, I don't know. I'm not him. I said, why don't you ask him? And the Lord put him on a process. And that guy's standing there. His cancer is in remission today. Hallelujah. You know why? Amen. Because we only seek the benefit without the benefactor. But you see, there's an element of surrender here that releases this eternal faith, this, this resurrection power of faith that God is implementing into our lives today. Now, the last thing I give to you is this. The third meaning means divine order for God's judgment. The world is made up of systems. There's Satan's system, There's the world system, there's our fleshly system, and then there's God's system. What has happened is, interesting, I was talking to a young man the other day, and he was talking about all the chaos that's going on in the world. And I said, it looks all confusing and bumfuzzled and all this kind of stuff. And he says, you know, what MIT says is when there's chaos, it means there's too many systems vying for the primary place. And when I began to, when I heard that definition, it's, it's much deeper than that. I'm giving you the, the, the Thompson Parable version. But there are systems that are vying for you. There are systems that are trying to bring you into an element that is not rightfully where you want to go. And at times it seems like it's chaotic in your life. Chaotic around your family. Chaotic around your church. Chaotic around the business. Chaotic. Why? Because these systems are vying to be the primary one. And when I begin to hear that, I begin to see some things. That one of the things that happens, God's judgment is not for the purpose of destruction. It's for the purpose of redemption and alignment. And here's what God began to show me. Those who are pursuing resurrection faith and those that will surrender, I will begin to bring judgment upon those areas that have created mixture in their life. God has a system for business. God has a system for the church. God has a system for the family. And what we've done is we come here on Sunday morning and we embrace God's system for worship and praise and prayer and, and, and fellowship. But then when we go out on Monday, we use the world system for business. We use the world system when we get home in the afternoon, on Sunday afternoon, for our family. We begin, and because we, we don't understand. As much as the leadership has tried to impart to us if we don't surrender, 
Everything that they say and teach us is void. I'm wrestling with this idea of calling. We make calling so cheap nowadays. When I'm convinced, well, let me back up. I'm close to being convinced. Those that understand their calling have a dimension of the eternal that the common people don't understand. And calling is nothing because God doesn't use the called. He uses the chosen. The chosen go through stuff. They go through things. The chosen, the chosen, not only do they talk about heaven, they've experienced hell. And they've ascended out of it. If I could sit here and put my laundry list out here of things that I've gone through, you'd either be weeping or saying, write a book. But the problem is the book couldn't hold it because it'd be that thick. Why? Because the answers that leadership is bringing you is not in this dimension. It's in a dimension you don't understand, and you're trying to solve it based on past and present when God wants you to solve it in another dimension. Why do we have the apostolic and the prophetic today? It's because the apostolic and prophetic are confronting nations. They're not building a church. They're confronting the nation. They're transforming nations. There is a place for local prophets that come in and they exhort and they edify and they comfort, that type of stuff. But there's also a prophetic dimension that says they prophesy that you might learn. See, when a prophet stands up, I was with the prophet in uh, Bolivia last year. He stood up and he preached for three hours. We were shocked that he preached for three hours because it felt like we sat there for 30 minutes. And he brought a download from heaven that still rattled every one of us to our core. God, give us prophets in this nation. Give us prophets in Nigeria. Give us prophets in Venezuela. Give us prophets in Bolivia. Give us prophets in Brazil. Give us prophets. Why? Because they got to come and they got to shake the church to its core because the only thing that will transform a nation is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm sorry. I've got to finish. The Babylonian system is coming under the judgment of God. And I don't have time to get into that. But one of the things, and you'll see this, whenever you have a disdain for an apostle or a prophet, it's because the Babylonian system rules in your life. You go to Revelations 18, and God says, and I'm going to bring revenge or I'm going to bring vengeance for the apostles and prophets not the pastor not the teacher not the evangelist not helps not administration not workers of miracles not gifts of healings none of those gifts who 
the apostles and prophets. Why? Because they are the ones who established the foundation for nation building. A church today without the apostolic is subject to the Babylonian system. And the Babylonian system is based on this. It's based on kings and merchants. But the apostolic church is based on kings and priests. Help us, Lord. Our future is determined by order, not providence. My challenge to you today, if you want to be a candidate, is ask God about this kind of faith. What do you need to surrender? You see, where there's no sacrifice, there's no incense ascending to the Lord. The New Testament talks about four sacrifices. People say, oh, that's the Old Testament. I said, no, there are four of them in the New Testament. Why? Because without sacrifice, there's no eternal. I'm not saying we do sacrifice to get saved. But there's a sacrifice we make that ascends unto the Father. Revelation is very clear to that. That when that cup is full, he pours it out. He pours it out. What was the last thing you sacrificed? guy asked me the other day, he said, Terry, tell me about your ministry. I said, well, the highlight of my ministry was this. We went to Auschwitz, you know, the concentration camp. In Poland at that time, there were 94 Pentecostal spirit-filled churches. We started the first Bible study at Auschwitz. Where there was much darkness, God said, I'm going to bring much light. So the first Bible study we had was 20 people in an apartment. I went back a year later, there was over 200 people in that apartment. Now, 20 was packed, 200, you can imagine. And the pastor said to us that day, he says, we've got a chance to get a building, which getting a building was a miracle at that time. So we got a chance to get a building. It's going to cost us $14,000. I said, well, what do you need? And he said, said, the 94 churches had raised $7,000 towards that church. I said, then we'll send the rest. So I went home, met with my elders, and we had $100 left in the bank after we sent the money. You see, we sacrifice when it's convenient and when it's safe. God's going to bring some judgment on some mixtures in our life. But also there's a demand that he's going to put on us to see if we'll turn aside. Now is the time to prepare for what is coming. The nations of the world are in upheaval for a lack of revelation from the throne of God. We have a lot of good ideas, a lot of man-made things, a lot of things that we do Where is the faith of resurrection power? Where is that in this hour? Now let me say this to you. Some of you go, okay, I'll come up with this. No, no. 
let the Holy Spirit show you the very thing that God wants done this morning. If eternity is only a category and not a conviction, we have no message for the world. This was the faith that was delivered to the saints. Thank you for joining today in your pursuit of perfection and peace of mind. For more experienced and valuable choices, visit our website, terrylthompson.org. Stay connected for more life-changing and reliable systems of thought and renewal.